Hey, this is Barbara Corcoran, and you are now tuned in to Business Unusual. And everything you ever learned about business, throw it out the window. I'm going to tell you the real deal. Listen in. Today, I'm going to answer all your burning questions about work, life, starting a company, getting on track, and much, much more. Be sure to call in to the Business Unusual hotline with your question at 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. But first, we're talking with three girls today, all trying to get their businesses off the ground. Really smart gals, but all stuck. Listen in. Hi, Barbara. This is Megan. I'm calling from the East Coast of Canada. And I'm just wondering what tips you might have for a brand new e-commerce business. I just launched my Shopify store last week and I'm just getting started, but I was just wondering what tips you would give to a brand new business. Thank you so much. Love your podcast. Why don't you start, Megan, by telling me what's your product? My product is jewelry, actually. Mm. The jewelry that you design and manufacture yourself? No, not yet. Hopefully someday. Uh, but right now I'm drop shipping. So the jewelry is all coming from overseas and I am selecting like through samples and things like that and just choosing what I want to put on the site and putting it out there. Okay. And you're curating it then and you're deciding yes. on the pricing of it? Yes. Okay. And I think the important question that I would have of you is how are you directing people to your site? How do they find you? Well, right now I'm doing ads through Instagram and Facebook, but that's proving to be not as successful as everybody makes it sound. And so that's sort of one of the questions that I was hoping you may be able to answer today is what do you think is the best way to get people to go to your site? Okay. And when you say ads through Facebook, do you mind if I ask you what your spend is there? How much are you spending each month? Usually around like 25 to $50 through a week's time, like maybe five, five to six days. And are you getting any leads whatsoever? Getting leads, but not getting any buys. Okay. And when the leads are coming in, you're just seeing them visit your site. They don't stick and they're just leaving without making any inquiry whatsoever? Yes. Okay. Any sense of why they're not biting? You have any way of figuring that out? I don't think so. Most of the buys that I've had are from people that I know that because I do have a freelance makeup business as well. And ah. I have a bit of a following surrounding that. And so a lot of the people that are coming to purchase or have come to purchase are finding me through that avenue. And so rather than just pushing people from my Instagram that I have a bit of a following, I want to sort of focus on this one, but I'm not quite sure. I'm, I think maybe it will take some time or to build a following here, but that's kind of where I'm stuck at this moment. Well, you're not really stuck. What you are is you're beginning. You're beginning a business and it's kind of like the early months of labor. It seems right. like every month will never end. And are you really going to ever really have that baby? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know if yeah, you've had yeah. children, but that's generally the consensus of most moms. They feel about those long, tedious nine months, but it's not a bad parallel. I always think of the beginning of the business as nothing more than a series of experiments. Try this, right. try that, throw a whole bunch of stuff on the wall and see what sticks. But I think in that process, you have to be careful what you spend on. It doesn't sound like you're spending very much on the ads. I don't think that's going to break the bank, so to speak, right? $25, $50. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But already you're finding that when you spend that amount of money that you're not really getting anything for it. Okay. Where were you getting your original leads from? You said you have another business and how does that generate leads for jewelry? I operate a freelance makeup business as well. And mm -hmm. part of promoting that business 
I have a YouTube channel and I have an Instagram where I sort of post makeup tips and style advice and mm. things like that. Is and it so well followed? Yeah, well, I have a, about 2,000 followers on Instagram, just That's under good. 400 on YouTube. So mm-hmm. not many followers, but the ones I have are pretty engaged. So I think that that's really good. And are a good percentage of them uh, people who have actually used your beauty services? Yes. They are. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So they, they yeah. know you, they love you, and they're coming back. Right, exactly. And yeah. those particular customers, have you offered your jewelry specifically to them on any of those channels? Yes, I have actually. One of the first things that I did actually is something I heard on another podcast uh, that Shopify puts out and they had somebody that's doing the sort of same thing that I'm doing and they had offered to their followers, you know, come and review my website and I'll give you a discount. And so Mm. I did do that and had some success with that from clients and friends and supporters of mine. So that was great. When you said have some success, some success in that they visited your new site or some success in that they bought something? They bought something. Well, good. All right. Mm -hmm. And so you've engaged your followers and they were willing to take time out of their day and do actually that. Can you think of other promotional vehicles that you could do to keep them coming back? Yeah. I mean, I could definitely keep discounts and promotions because I mean, the margins that I have on the products give me a lot of room to do things like that. And so since I did have success with that, that's definitely something that I want to look toward in the future for sure. I'm not sure this is exactly the advice you're looking for, but I deal with an awful lot of different types of businesses because of my role on Shark Tank on ABC. Right. And I've dealt with from food products to technology products to beauty products, you name it. I have maybe a little bit of working knowledge to become dangerous and not enough (laughs) to be a genius, right? (laughs) Uh, But I have found that there are common grounds between each of them. And the one common ground I have found over and over again is that whatever has worked once before to get you business, you want to go back and repeat it as often as you can. Okay. I generally find that people, once they get some success in one area with their product, they move it around and trying everything else. And I'm all for that. But rarely does anything ever work quite as effectively as what they originally did. And Mm -hmm. so I like to get people to push as much money behind what they originally did and do a lot more of it and get better at it. And so I ask you, I don't know your business, but what could you do in the channel that you've used successfully to do a lot more of it, to spend the money or your energies or both very wisely? What would come to mind? Well, there's a lot of people that I engage with that are influencers on Instagram. And so Mm. I've reached out to a few of them and they've agreed to sort of come on board. And so I'm working on putting packages together for them. Terrific. And maybe doing some type of like collaboration with them and myself. If they're local, you know, we could get together and do like a little mini video or something like that and engage their followers. What a great imagination you have. Oh, thank you. (laughs) That's gold. My gosh, in your business or in any business, but particularly in yours, good for you. What else? Thank you. Well, I haven't gotten that far yet, really. I'm trying (laughs) to manage this business in the middle of wedding season, which is busy for any makeup artist. And I have a full-time job as well. And so this is something that my extra time is going towards and I'm creating more time for it as I go and as I sort of figure things out. And so I I like that idea though. And I really do like the idea of what's already worked 
will work again and, and keep creating around that. Yes. May I, I ask you, because great. I haven't seen your site, do you use your face on your site to show your jewelry? Yeah, I do in some instances. Some of the photos are up close, so you can just see the jewelry where some of it is sort of small. If in a photo of my entire face, you may miss the jewelry. Mm-hmm. So some of it's up close and then my face is on it as okay. well. I'm going to give you one other idea that's related to what you're already doing, but I've seen it used to tremendous success by a company I invested in. One of the most successful businesses called Grace and Lace. And they're not oh, yes. in the jewelry business, but they make high fashion ladies garments that are very affordable for the average person. And mm-hmm. they've had tremendous success doing the same old thing again and again and again, but they do new versions of it maybe six times a year. And what they do is Melissa, who is the female partner, she works with her husband in the business and he's the back end, she's the front end. What she does is she offers sneak peeks before everybody else can see on the new lines that she's designing or is about to offer. In essence, what she really does is create a club of loyal followers that get to see everything early and it creates so much suspense. And now almost 60% of all the people that are buying from her and their sales are almost $20 million a year now are part of this club. Can't wait to see it, but she uses her beautiful face and body to demonstrate every single thing she parades in front of them. And they all want to look like her. I'm looking right here at your face and I want to look like you. I'm sure there are a lot. I mean it. There are a lot of women out there that are going to see you and say, God, I could look that good if only I wore that necklace. And so I would put your face in as much as I could and create a club of sneak peeks or previews. And I think it will help you drive sales and build loyalty. And I think loyalty is at the core of every successful business that's ever been created. And the more loyalty, the more followers, the more buyers, and then the more loyalty. And it goes on and on and on. Got it? Perfect. Yes. Thank you so much. Okay. Don't forget about that beautiful face. I won't. Thank you so much. (laughs) Okay. My pleasure. Let's take a short break to talk about a company I love. My friends at On Deck Business Loans. Now let's get back to the show. Hi, Barbara. My name is Danielle and I'm 24. I live in New York. I own a very small media company in New York. And my question to you is, with all of the influx and the saturation of media, how do you deviate in your space? I own the media company and it's primarily based around female-oriented content. We empower women with our content. The primary method of monetization is selling advertising space with relevant brands and groups um, and individuals. So my question to you is, how does someone deviate in an industry that started out as being the primary deviator and then now has become very saturated? There's a ton of media companies out there. What is a, a great way to deviate? Thanks so much. I appreciate your answer and have a good one. Hey, Danielle, how are you? Good, thank you. How are you today? Very well. I liked your question. So give me a little bit more information on your business itself so that I could visualize it. Uh, What actually are you selling? Where does your money come from? The majority of how we monetize is through branded partnerships. So if we write articles or we do social media uh, campaigns with different product-based companies, that's how we monetize. So you would write an article on, for example, what? And then, for example, how would you go out and get that monetized, as you call it, or paid for? 
So we'll write articles on any number of things. We'll write articles on products. We'll write articles on different events for different companies. Even if um, they're not monetizing it, even if they're not paying for it, you'll just say, hey, there's a great cultural event happening this Sunday at this place, and this is what it's going to cover, and you're going to have an awfully good time if you go there, and then you run out and try to find a sponsor to pay for that? Well, most of the time when we pitch something like an article, they'll pay us for that cross-branded piece of content. So we'll monetize that way. For things that we do that we don't ask money for, kind of evergreen content, we'll run advertisements on our website. So affiliate programs and different advertising, Google AdSense, things like that. Mm -hmm. The space that we're in is really honed in on female content. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a female empowerment platform. So everything that we do is with that line and everything. So if we reach out to a product company and we say, hey, you know, this is what we do, more or less, they might be a female founded business or a female owned business. It might be a women's collective. For instance, we're working on putting together an article and full social media package for a women's longboarding initiative. So they're pretty much a group of women in California who skateboard together and push this message of womanhood and empowerment, which I think is really awesome. Using that as a great example, how would you get a sponsor? How would you get that paid for it? What would you do then? So the women's group has come to you, you're putting the package together, you're writing the article on it, then what do you do after that point to get the money in? After that point, what I've done so far is I think of different ways to kind of branch out. So for instance, this is a collective of women that skateboard, we might reach out to a few skateboard brands and companies and see if we can run some and sell some advertising campaigns with them. So you get on the phone yourself and give them a call and say, hey, we're working on this cool project. We think you'd be the perfect partner for it. Yeah. Yeah. Or email a direct message on social media. Any way we can, we pretty much offer ourselves up and say, hey, this is what we do and this is what we sell. And we're interested in doing that with you. Okay. And what's the odds that you get a sponsor in that way? Is it very successful or you have to do thousands of these inquiries to get somebody to bite? So far, it's been fairly successful. I would say that the more specific, the better. So if it's a more specific situation where we come with a very specific angle, it works out maybe 30% of the time, which for us is pretty high. Good for you. Yeah. So the specificity is really important to us. I think it's something that keeps us going. But I do see that there are a lot of similar Mm. Uh, media brands out there. When you say a lot out there, you mean specializing in empowering women. Yeah. That's the core of your business or the core of your theme, so to speak. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, a couple of thoughts I just had. Do you get reactions from the people who see the media and what they think about it? Do you engage them in surveys of any kind? Do you ask them what they think? Do you create debates over the subject matter? We haven't done a lot of that. No. I mean, if we do it, it's very micro. We'll do it on uh, an Instagram story poll. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that is not every single time. We're not conducting that consistently, I would say. If you were to do that, would that give you new fodder to get other sponsors and get more engagement from the people who are following you? Yeah, I think so. We have a really, really high engaging audience, specifically on our social media platforms Mm -hmm. um, and in our email. I always position the brand as a community, because mm-hmm. I think that it just humanizes us a little bit more. We're, we're able to talk to people who are in our community mm. directly, which is awesome. And is that so unusual so. in your area? Is that you're able to do that? Or is every other competitor doing the same? I think every other competitor is probably doing the same thing. I see a lot of bigger platforms who have, a, I'm assuming, a little bit more resources. 
they're rolling out different platforms dedicated to interaction. For us, it's very much real time. If we put posts up or editorial up, we always have someone monitoring comments Mm. uh, because that's what we're able to do at this point. We don't have resources to build out social networking platforms. I'm not sure, though, if that's something that we would ever want to do, because I like the very real-time human nature to things. Mm. So that might be something that actually deviates us in some way at this point. To differentiate you in a good way or a bad way? In a good way. I'm looking, though, for more things like that, that really make one of our customers or viewers or community members say, I want to always go to this platform for my information or for my interaction or, you know, how I consume my media. As an outsider to your kind of business, if I were to say to you, what stats are interesting that I, as an outsider, would not know about motivating women today, what would your answer be? In terms of actual metrics? Yeah, metrics. I would say it's how many people are interacting a day. And yours is very high? I would say ours is high, yeah. We have per post on our social media and comments on our blog posts and editorial posts, we have anywhere from, I want to say, 150 comments to 550 comments. And they're all very much conversational comments. They're not, this is great. Or, yeah, there are two other people in the comment thread. So people are talking to each other, which is something I really like. Terrific. You kidding? It's like one and one equals 10. Yeah. 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 May I ask you in your industry, what do you think that number might be? The industry average in terms of engagement rate, I think is somewhere between 0.7 and 1.2. And we have for the last 60 days have had a consistent of 2.3. That's amazing. (laughs) So that's 300% more than the average. What other metrics do you have in your business? We have website views, clicks, email opens, and email read-throughs are very important. Click-through rates. We also run paid advertising. So depending on what the objective are for those paid advertisements, Mm -hmm. usually it's clicks. Those are big metrics for us. Are those metrics public record for your industry? Use clicks, emails, opens? Is that something you could get your hands on? What's the average for your industry? I'm sure I could. I try my best to stay up to date. A lot of things are generalized versions of different things. I have the fortunate experience of working for a similar company uh, before I pursued this. So I have a little bit of knowledge, Mm -hmm. but I think that that's something we could definitely improve on is measuring a lot of those KPIs for our competitors. Measuring, I think, is useful in any business, but I think getting attention with the act of Mm -hmm. measuring is far more important. This is what I'm thinking listening to you. And again, I don't know your industry in specifics, but it Mm -hmm. certainly sounds to me like you do. I was thinking that you should publish some kind of a report online on what the averages of your industry are and what's the name of your business? It's called Raining Women. Raining one. I love that. R-E-I-N-G-A, I I guess. Or is it raining with the wet stuff? What is it? (laughs) R-E-I-G-N-I-N-G. Terrific. I think you should publish a raining women report because even the name I really like, but name it after yourself and get every industry metric you could get your hands on. That's legitimate, you know, because 
there's so much crap out there. And who even knows what's really real and what's not? I generally find most stuff isn't real. Just somebody had the chutzpah to get right. it out there. But get right. every metric you can. And not even in the report, I wouldn't even compare you to the industry averages because then it's suspect. Now it's a promotional tool. But right. I would just start publishing a report for fodder for people to be able, clients to be able to better measure if they're getting bang for their buck. And mm -hmm. start as large a mailing list as you can to as many clients, of course, including the ones you've already done business with, but regularly making sure they're getting your statistical report for your industry. I think if no one's taken that space, you should own it. Yeah. And then you can compare your metrics in your promotional material or your pitch to the industry averages. But I think you'll get more out of that report than any promotional device you'll ever use. Right. Because you'll be quoted then, or people will look to you for statistical information. And I think it's the smartest thing you could do because you're articulate, you seem to be on top of your numbers. And by the way, your report card is very good compared to the industry numbers. And so Thank it fits you. in so beautifully. No, I'm not trying to even truly, truly trying to compliment you in any way. I'm just saying that I think you're perfectly poised to be the industry authority, despite mm -hmm. your age. What are you about? 12? You sound so young on the phone. <laughs> 24. <laughs> 24, old enough to be a genius in my book, okay? Um, I want to tell you a little story that's a direct parallel in a vastly different industry, which was when I was starting out, I had 11 sales only. And because I had the courage or desperation, is more honest, desperation to publish a report to get some attention because I had no money for advertising, I got published on the front page of the New York Times real estate section as the industry expert within two weeks. It was mind-boggling to me. And I thought, yeah. nobody else is doing this? But I do believe you should become the authority in your field. And the only way to do it is to publish a report online and get it out there. Just get it out right. there. Keep promoting it under your own name. And I think the rest of it is having the patience to see your business grow by doing a lot more of what you're doing already. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine yeah. you not having a usually successful business, honestly. Usually well, successful. <laughs> a lot of it is, you know, working so hard to deviate. Sometimes I think, and this is a pain point, is we, and um, I do this myself a lot on a personal level, we end up focusing so much on the pain points and things that we could be doing to be different and things that we're, we're trying to do to be better and pull ahead that we forget and this speaks to what you're saying of, of showcasing what we're doing, we forget what's working sometimes. Mm -hmm. And we get sometimes, I think, sidelined by that. So what you're saying is we're putting out there what we're doing very well. And ignoring the, the rest. Mm -hmm. Right, and ignoring the rest. So, And may I say, I'm going to go just one step uh, farther on that, and that is to, to say to you, the worst thing you could do in building your business is to even know what your competitors are doing. Mm -hmm. Ignore them because I, I spent 20 some odd years building my own real estate brokerage firm and became number one. And there was only one year where I didn't pull ahead. And that was the year I was a genius at knowing what every competitor was doing. It was right. the biggest mistake I made for 12 months of my life. Once I said, who cares what they're doing? Screw them. I'm just doing my own thing that I do well better. And then we started pulling ahead until we became the top firm. So really do not pay attention to the clutter in the field. You can be guaranteed you'll have more competitors next week than you had this week. You'll be guaranteed right. that each of them will do something better than you. But the only thing you should focus on is doing more of what you do well. Right. 
I would hope that I would be reading about your report named after you as the industry average, the industry average <laughs> report of what clients could expect because that's a valuable, unbiased report. It really is. Right. If you could put it down on paper if nobody's doing it yet. Right. Okay, that would be my best advice. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I think um, this is definitely something that I'm going to do right now. <laughs> okay, and guess what? Do whatever you think you should do because you're so smart. I could hear everything you said. You're so thoughtful and smart. I have no doubt in my mind you're going to be a huge success. Just send me like... 50% of your money once you really get successful. <laughs> Let me give you my address. <laughs> okay, good luck to you. You won't need much luck. Okay, good luck though anyway. Thank you so much. Thank my you. pleasure. Okay. Hi, Barbara. My name is Tunisa, and I'm calling from Las Vegas, Nevada. I have an idea for a product but I have no idea where to begin, who to contact. I understand things have to be copywritten. I understand all that. I just do not know where to begin. Would you please be able to assist? Thank you. Tanisa, starting is easier than you might think. You've got the idea. Let's assume it's a product because you didn't mention service. What you should do is simply make a rough prototype of the product. Get it in your hand. Even if you make it out of paper mache, Get a rough likeness to the product in your hand. If that can't be done, draw a picture of it. Color it in. All you need is a visual aid to show people what product is in your head. Once you get it in form, a rough form that is, or on paper, in a rough form on paper, you're ready to go outside and see what people think about it. And that's where every product should start. Go out into the street or go to your friends and family and say, hey, this is an idea I have. This is what it's going to look like. Would you buy it? Would you buy it? And if so, what would you pay for that? Would it be worth $10, $20, $5? And let them give you honest feedback. That's the place every product should be born, in the street, getting real live people, giving you immediate reactions to it. Oh, and one little word of caution, don't just ask family and friends. Make sure you ask strangers because the problem with family and friends is they love you and want to please you and they're the most apt to lie. Don't waste your money on patent attorneys, public relations people, a good ad campaign, nothing like that. That's second, third, fourth stage once your product is ready. Don't even price it yet until you see if people are even interested in buying it. I can tell you, I'm sitting on Shark Tank all the time, and most of the products that are rejected by Shark Tank that you never see at home on air is because they make no sense. Yet every single person who invented them really believed in them. They never stopped to ask Joe Consumer, hey, what do you think? That's the golden question you gotta ask every time. And that's all the questions we have time for today. If you have a question, leave me a voicemail on the Business Unusual hotline, 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. You can also tweet it to me at Barbara Corcoran, and I may just answer it on a future episode. You've been listening to Business Unusual with me, Barbara Corcoran. Come back next week to hear more steps and missteps I took on the path to success. Search and follow Business Unusual on iHeartRadio or subscribe 
wherever you listen to podcasts. Audiation.